I'm excited about getting into the word today. Last week, we, we uh, heard an awesome message. I'll tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but it was, it was a good reminder of we need to be thankful for what we already have. So many times, I don't know about you guys, I spend so much mental energy toward like the things I want to get or the things I don't have. And man, what a good reminder of, man, I need to be thankful for what he has already given me. And it's amazing how he operates when we do that, when we put our focus and energy toward him and give him the glory for what he has blessed us and given us, even the simple things in life, how all of a sudden the, the wants and things that you want start falling in your lap. And we just, when we get that straight, it's amazing how he works. So uh, it is Thanksgiving this week, and I'm just going to keep leaning into that theme. And so in order to do that, I'm going to be going through Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And we're going to walk through this today. I'm going to read it to get us started. And I'm just going to kind of dig in a little bit. We're just going to kind of coast through this little story. And I'm, I don't have like the three points that I'm going to put on the board to take away uh, for this one. This is something that I just want to kind of walk through, call out some things, and I just want to let it speak to you how it needs to speak to you. Amen. Does that work? Yeah. So I want to encourage everyone to get your notes ready, um, and I want you to lean in and listen to what it is that pricks your heart, that might stir you up so that you can take it and you can process it, you can digest it, or maybe you write down an action step that, you know what, I need to start doing this more in my life. And so let's just do lean into that, and, and um, I hope that you're able to take a couple things away through it. So I'm just going to read um, Luke chapter 17, starting verse 11. And it says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground as Jesus, at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Amen. Before we dive in, let's just pray together. Lord, we love you. You are so amazing. Uh, to sing your praises this morning already and to worship you. Uh, it's been incredible already. 
We want to give you all the glory that you deserve. We want to praise your name. We want to pour out our praise to you. I pray that you would speak today the way that you need to, that uh, you would just speak through me, that I'll, I'll get out of the way, but just use me as a vessel to deliver your word, and that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what it is that you're speaking to each one of us. Have your way. Speak like only you can to the heart and soul of our very being today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we step into the story, and it says Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's, he's on his way to one of the uh, Jewish festivals, and so he's, he's on his way there, and he's between uh, Galilee and Samaria, where off in a distance, there are these 10 lepers. Now, leprosy today isn't something that we really see, right? Uh, leprosy is, is something that we hear about numerous times throughout the Bible. It was prevalent in that time, but today it's not really something that we deal with because uh, we've figured out a cure for it. And actually, it, it hasn't been all that long that we've found the cure for it. This has been around, for, it was around for a long time. But this leprosy uh, was kind of a nasty disease. I mean, just gross, honestly. It, it, uh, it would have these, your skin would just begin to, it would have these boils. Um, it would be just eaten away at your skin. And I don't know why this word grosses me out as I was preparing this, but it, like, it would like ooze. Like, I mean, we're talking gross. It's gross stuff um, that we're talking about. This disease would actually like, lead to your, your body literally deforming itself because of how it would kind of twist you up. It was this disease that was known to just kind of be this long, drug-out, painful gross disease that typically ended in death. That was kind of what was common in that time. And so in this time, uh, there were protocols. There was, it was part of the law that uh, you had to be quarantined. Now we know what quarantine's all about. Uh, <laughs> But we, you had to, to be quarantined away out of society because they didn't want it to spread anymore, right? They, they didn't want it to spread. So you were kicked out of society. You were an outcast, quite literally. And now, we, like I said, we kind of know what quarantine means nowadays. Uh, I remember hearing that pre-COVID and be like, what is that? How does that actually work? Like... I've heard this, and now I'm well aware. Um, anyone, anyone else remember that 14-day year in isolation, like quarantine? I was locked in the basement. <laughs> Tara would come, drop off the food from a distance, and shut the door behind. You know, and and me being. Uh, more of an extrovert, you know, by the end of the 14 days, I'm like, Lord, get me out of here. Like, <laughs> free me. <laughs> get me out of here. And now some of you introverts are probably like, I don't 
kind of enjoyed it for a little bit. I mean, not going to lie. But we know that, and we talk about this all the time here, community is so important. Um, because through this COVID experience, all of the, the bad statistics, the, the anxiety, the depression, the suicide, all of this terrible stuff, all the numbers were just spiking. Because when we isolate, we don't have the community that we need to walk through things, right? And we get stuck in our, our own minds and we're, we're isolated. And we also see it with the lepers because the lepers are, are kicked out of their society. And so what do they do? We see 10 of them together because, man, we still need community. We need to, to come together. And this became their identity. They were known as the lepers. That's, that's what they were known for. It became their identity. In fact, they had to, if they came in encounter with any other person, they had to say, hey, hey, hold up, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. They had to yell it out loud so that no one came close to them. They were tagged as lepers. They, they had to wear certain things because it identified them as lepers. They were just haunted in this identity of being a leper. They were stuck in a permanent quarantine. Can you imagine, you're already like going through this nasty disease. Life already just ugh, sucks. And then when you actually come to an encounter with someone, you have to say, hey, I'm unclean. How embarrassing does that have to be? Can you imagine having to just like yell out your like issue out loud when you're coming up on someone? Like how embarrassing would that be, right? Like, hey, I'm a glutton. I can't stop eating till it hurts. I love donuts too much. It's a problem. Like, can you imagine having to do that? And that's, that, this is literally their life. And so when they see Jesus from a distance, they want to take, take advantage of this opportunity. Even though they are an outcast to society, Jesus is doing things so drastically He's healing, he's doing these miracles, he's making impacts in people's lives, so that even the, the news is spreading so much that even the outcasts that are kicked out of society know, and they've heard about this man named Jesus because he's loving and he's caring and he's being there for all these people. And so when they see him from a distance, they, they cry out. They say, Jesus! They were desperate enough. They didn't care what it sounded like. They didn't care what they looked like. They just yelled and cried out, Jesus, my life is stuck in what it is. I don't see a way out. And then all of a sudden, I see this Jesus, and there's hope all of a sudden, and I can't miss this opportunity. I've just got to get his attention. It's amazing how when you get to that place of desperation, that pain, that whatever it is that you're going through, right? You get to that place of desperation, and it doesn't matter. It, you don't, all of a sudden, you don't care what it looks like. Your pride just kind of lowers. You humble yourself, and you just got to step in and take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. They say, Jesus, Master. 
Just that in itself shows a posture of where they're at. When you say master, you, you are putting yourself in a position there, right? You're saying, hey, I am willing to follow you. I'm willing to do what you say. I, I've tried things my way. This ain't working very well. But master, I need help. Have mercy on me. Mercy is one of those terms that we talk about at church quite a bit. We read it in the Bible, but it's that giving or receiving of something that you don't deserve. So they're crying out, I know I don't deserve this at all, but would you just hook it up? Please, I am begging you, have mercy on me. And it says that Jesus looked at them and he saw them. When I read this and was thinking about this, um, I don't know if you guys have ever done this or not, but it made me think of like um, being at like a sporting event or something and your favorite athletes there, or maybe you're just at some sort of event and a celebrity or someone that you really like is there and you're out, you're out there like shouting out to them, trying to get their attention, you know, like, hey, yo, like LeBron, LeBron, you know, you're trying to like wave them down and, and you're just hoping that they'll look at you and all of a sudden you see them turn their head and they, they, they're trying to look for you and then you lock eyes and you get that like excitement, you know, that excitement. I can't imagine how they go from this hopeless situation where they feel so like nothing, there's, they have no hope. And then this hope shows up and they yell and they're shouting out from a distance and Jesus turns around and he looks at them. Can you imagine the feeling, oh, he actually, he actually heard. He actually heard me. Have you ever been seen before? Like when someone really saw you. I'll never forget this. Um, a handful of years ago, uh, my family and I, we, we moved to Charlotte. And in, in that move, uh, one of the things we were believing God was going to do is he was going to help show and direct Tara what her ministry was to look like, that she would, she would have that purpose, that meaning, that fulfillment in ministry. She totally devoted to God, was following him so faithful and reading his word and praying and seeking him, but she, she I, would, I would come off of a a high on a Sunday because I was just so fulfilled in ministry, feeling good, and she just never felt like she had that. And so we go to Charlotte, and um, we get involved immediately, start serving, and there was a, a leader on staff that reached out to her and said, hey, uh, I'd love to have lunch sometime. And so Tara was like, sure, whatever. I don't know what to expect, but let's do this. And so they go to lunch sit down at the table, do the small talk thing, they're chatting, and then at one point, the leader just looked across the table, looked her in the eye, and said, I see you. I see something in you. I see more in you than you see in yourself. Now, that seems so simple, but let me tell you, when my wife got home from lunch that day, her face was beaming, she was beyond excited 
And she, I'll tell you, man, she stepped into ministry like I had always hoped and prayed, and it was amazing. When you're seen, yet you're, you're cared for, you realize that, hey, they, they love me. They, they care for me. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus was always working toward people, wasn't he? He was always working toward people. He was getting in their life. He was getting in their stuff, all the stuff that comes with life. He would move toward that. And as Christ followers, we're to do the same thing. We are to move toward people. And I think some of us get scared of stepping into certain situations because we're like, oh, it's awkward, or I don't know how to fix this. But let me tell you, the vast majority of the time, they just want you to know that you care, that you show up, that you're with them, and that you can walk through it together. But we've got to move toward people. So Bridge Church is not a country club for saints. Amen. Bridge Church is a hospital for the sinner and those in need that are struggling, that are in pain. That's what he called us to, right? Because if we're not that, then we're missing, we're missing the mark. We are about being there with people, to, to love on them, care on them, see them. And so Jesus looks at them. He sees them. And then he, he responds to them. They're crying out as lepers in desperation. Hey, would you, would you heal me? I mean, you see me. Like, this is terrible. Like, hook me up. Like, heal me, please. I am begging. And Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priest. Isn't that kind of an interesting response, just at face value? Like, I didn't ask to go to church. Like, I, I didn't ask to go see the, the minister. Like, I asked, like, could you heal me, you know? Like, but in this day, they would have known, especially the, the Jews among them would have known that the very law that has them as an outcast also had a portion where if you were miraculously healed, that you were to go to the priest. Once you were healed, you were to go to the priest, and the priest would then be the one that said, you are clean, you are healed, now you can return to society. You can go back home. You can be with your family. You can hug the neck of your spouse. You can kiss your child on the cheek. And so they, they, had, they knew that this was the case, uh, but the caveat still is that it was once you were clean that you were to go see the priest. Our story doesn't say that they were healed quite yet. So if I'm, if I'm the leper, now I'm in a situation, right, where um, Jesus just told me to go see the priest, but I know that the, the law, the, the rules of the way are that uh, you're supposed to be healed first. I don't want to get in trouble for not following. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I can't go see the priest until I'm healed so I, I would have been tempted to say, yeah, hey, Jesus, uh, I heard you. Uh, that's cool. Uh, 
But um, could you heal me first so that, because that's how it works. Maybe you forgot. But like you're supposed to heal first and then can we do the healing part? And I would have been thinking that's what makes sense, right? Logically, that's what makes sense. But Jesus, once again, as he did throughout the scripture, he would take the constructs that were in place at that day and time, and he would constantly be breaking them down to say, you know what? I know this is how it was, but I've got a different way. I've got a better way. Just follow me. Just listen to me. See, we've all had our own upbringings. We've had our own experiences in life. We've learned what we've learned in our life, and it has formed the ways that we operate in life, hasn't it? We have formed our own constructs to live by. And we live in them so much that when Jesus tells us to do something that goes against it, we miss the opportunity for what he's trying to do. When Jesus tells us to do something that goes against our constructs, the way we see things as they are, it doesn't compute, it doesn't make sense. So I I ain't doing that. And we miss the very thing that he's trying to bring us to. He did this so many different times throughout Scripture. Can you imagine being Moses as the Egyptians are chasing them down, ready to like, no, you ain't going anywhere now. (laughs) We made a mistake. We're coming after you. And they're stuck, pigeonholed by this body of water and I would be freaking out. Like, they are gaining ground rapidly on me. Like, Moses reaching out, God, help me. Like, save us. Do something. Like, destroy them. Like, do something. And God just says, hey, you know that stick in your hand? Just hold it up in the air. (laughs) You got a better plan? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, but once he did, what happened? Then God moved. So when you're praying to God, hey, would you, God, would you heal my marriage? Like, uh, we need help. We're just, we're not connecting, and we seem to be going apart. Would you help? Would you, would you bring us together and mend our relationship? And he says, hey, just go sign up for life group. Okay. <laughs> well, but God, I'm talking about my marriage. I'm not talking about life group. Like, But when we step into what he tells us to do, even though it doesn't make a lick of sense to us, before you know it, on the journey, he operates. He moves. Before you get where he told you to go, before you even get there, he's done healed you. That's what we see with the lepers. They thankfully just obeyed and listened and started heading to the priest. Now, I'd be so interested to know how this played out. <laughs> like, they just, they just start walking, you know, to the priest. All right, you know, I, he said, go to the priest. Let's go to the priest. 
I don't know how this is going to play out. We're supposed to be healed already, but uh, hope we don't get in trouble or something. I don't know how this is going to play out. You know, they're talking amongst each other. I wish that, uh, hold up. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Like, look at this. Are you serious right now? And it just starts disappearing right in front of their eye. Like, what would you do? Like, <laughs> I mean, how, how pumped, how excited, how crazy would you be going right now? Like, they had to be doing like the, Roman likes to do the chest bump after catching the football, you know, jump up and chest bump. They're giving the high fives. They're going jumping for joy, literally going crazy. I would be going berserk because now I am healed. Now I do get to go to the priest. Now I do get to be deemed clean and healed, and I get to go home. I get to to be with my family. I get my life back. I am freed. Can you imagine how excited you would be I would imagine their pace picked up pretty quick like all right let's go they went from a kind of a measly little walk to this like running to the priest but it says that there was one man that stopped he delayed his freedom And he went back to Jesus. Through all the excitement, through knowing what's to come now, getting life back, he stopped and he went back to Jesus. And it says that with a loud voice, he was praising God. He was glorifying God because he knew where the healing came from. He fell to his face, or he fell to his feet on his face, thanking Jesus for healing him. Now, sometimes we, in worship, you know, some of us get a little excited. I just admitted jumping around like a crazy person up here. But let me tell you something. Jesus has blessed me so, so much. He has blessed me so much. And I don't know what he's brought you from. I don't know what he's done for you. But for me, I know I get to spend eternity with him. So I'm about to jump. (laughs) I'm about to act a fool. So sometimes when you see someone expressing themselves through worship, it's because they know what he has done for them. Feeling and doing are two different things, aren't they? It's one thing to to feel thankful. It's another to show how thankful you are. When you give a a gift, you know that one that you're like excited to give uh, to to your kid over the holidays or their birthday or whatever, you're like excited to see how it plays out. And sometimes they get it and they just bounce. They're just gone. Like they are too excited to go and they want to go play. But, But when they take that moment say, thank you, daddy. Thank you, mama. How different (laughs) that is. And that's what this man is doing here. He's stopping, he's delaying his freedom to make sure that he goes back and give 
the glory where it belongs, to thank the one that gave it to him. Randomly, in the middle of this scripture, I don't know if you guys caught this, but it, it just, in the middle of the whole story, it just stops and says, this was a Samaritan man. <laughs> Did you guys catch that? Isn't that like random? No, he came back and he fell at his feet. This was a Samaritan man. This was called out because we talked about this uh, here before, but the, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, like despised each other. And so here's this Samaritan man that, that has been looked at by the Jews like, like a dog, like just worthless. They would go to these festivals, and anytime they would go from Galilee, which was north of Samaria, to Jerusalem, which was south of Samaria, they would literally walk around the border of Samaria just to avoid even seeing their faces. I mean, they would go the long route. They would, they would go through the Jordan River two times to get down to Jerusalem. They'd rather do all that than just even see the face of these Samaritan dogs that they saw them as. But he's the one that's there, falling at the face of Jesus. At the face, why do I keep saying that? At the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, now hold up. Weren't there 10? I could have swore I saw 10 of y'all. Like, weren't there 10? Where's the other nine? He says, is only this foreigner, the Samaritan, the one that comes back? to say thank you? Not even, not even my own like Jewish people group like can come back and, and say thank you? Sometimes we take for granted those that are closest to us. Sometimes we live in this space, if we really think about this and we're really real with ourselves, where we feel like we have the right to be healthy and to, to be happy and to live in comfort. And as a result, we get this entitlement feeling. We get this, I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to be happy. And as a result, we lose the fact that we should be so thankful for our health and we should be thankful for being, having the life and the blessings that he has given us, even those small, simple things. We see this man so, so grateful. Jesus wants us to always keep it straight, that it's come from him. We acknowledge that it's not us. It's all because of you, Lord. So Jesus looks down at the man. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Now, hold up. Wasn't he already healed? Right? The story said he was already healed. So what? He's healed again? He's, he's, I thought he was already well. So what's this about? Well, as we dive in and we look 
at the Greek that was used. When Jesus said, stand up, that Greek term that was used there would have had some some understanding that went with it in that day and time, especially for early Christians, because with that word, stand up, comes a, a resurrection kind of terminology that's used. It's a term that's used to, to say, raise up. It, it was used for raised up from the, the dead. It had this resurrection type terminology that came with it. And he said, and go. The Greek term that was used for that, I'm not going to try to pronounce these. Um, the Greek term for that was, uh, it, it came with and go. It was like to go into your new life. And when he said, you are well, it was this Greek term that I think I can say is sozo. Now, this term had a dual meaning to it. It means to save. It means to save from your physical ailment, from your injuries, from your disease. It's to save you from that physical issue. But it also has to do with your soul the saving of your soul, the deliverance of sin. So there's this dual thing where you're not only saved physically, you're also saved to your very soul. It's a term that's used to say you have been made whole. You have been made whole. See, people can experience the same thing. All 10 of them experienced the same thing. But they walked away with different change in their life. And the one, the one that delayed his, his freedom, delayed the excitement to go back and to say, you know what? I'm going to give credit to the healer the real gift in this is the healer, not the healing. Jesus said to go see the priest. Jesus was the great high priest. We are to make sure that we keep it straight. That we don't let even the, the small blessings blind us from who he is, and that it came from him, and that we are to be grateful to him.